the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Monday, everybody. You got through the day. Congratulations. I, uh, I hope you're all feeling, feeling good, feeling psyched. You should feel psyched. Um, if anyone listened to the show on Friday, I was lucky enough to have on the guest as the, at the end of the show, my lovely wife, Marianne Bertuna. And what were we speaking of? Masks and children and masks in schools. And we got a, an email. We received an email today, <clears throat> Mommy and Daddy Idala, uh, for little Arthur, when uh, that said, as of Wednesday, my five-year-old son does not have to wear a mask, or it's optional. I can tell you what the option will be uh, when he goes to school on Wednesday. And uh, I, you know, when I hugged him and kissed him when he walked into school today, I, that's the last thing we do is we kiss him and then we put on his mask and he walks in the door. And I just said, uh, you know, Arthur, I hope this is the last time you wear this, uh, or maybe today or tomorrow. And the um, the woman who was one of the teachers who checks it in, checks him in, made the sign of the cross. She's like, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, because the teachers have to wear the masks as well. So the governor uh, started the, uh, the the mandate relaxation. And then uh, Eric Adams said, look, we're, let's just wait because the kids just had off this week. Let's just make sure we get through this this week that we're in right now. Uh, and then on Friday, I'll make a final decision. I will say um, that my son's school asked. It was voluntary. But since we've been away all week and we've been to all different places, let's give the kids a quick COVID test before they came to school, which in the car driving in, even though Arthur didn't really want to do it, he swabbed himself with mommy observing. And he had a no- negative COVID test as he walked into school. But um, it's exciting. It's exciting, obviously, for the, in my opinion, for the kids, because we always want to take care of the children. But it's exciting for the city as well. Um, and I agree with uh, the sentiments of the mayor. Uh, let's hear what the mayor had to say about taking the masks off. When we take off the mask, we're going to start to show that we're open, we're ready to do business. may start out as two days a week, going back into the office, then expand to five. But it's just a symbol that we are back, and it was so important. Well, I am so proud, and I know I've said this many, many times, but my office is for two days a week. That, that We've been five days a week since, I believe, the exact date was September 7th, 2020. 
Uh, it was the Tuesday after Labor Day, um, after, you know, we were gone from March to September. And we've been here five days a week, um, from the eldest members, or the oldest members of the firm, to the youngest members of the firm. Uh, so we've been here not only supporting our clients and supporting each other, but supporting the city because as the mayor says, you still have, you know, if you stay home and work in your pajamas, the dry cleaner suffers, the shoemaker suffers, the deli where you get your lunch suffers, the MTA when you ride the subway suffer. So, um, God willing, the, the walking around without a mask, especially with our fingers crossed this spring quickly, uh, approaches, we could say, hey, this this pandemic, God willing, lasted two years, almost to the day, right? I think it was March 13th when the whole world shut down, where I was sitting at my kitchen table. The Harvey Weinstein um, uh, sentencing was on Wednesday, March 11th. I went and saw him uh, at his uh, incarcerating facility. I believe it was at Bellevue Hospital on Thursday, the March the 12th. I think that was the last time I wore a suit. And then that night, uh, they announced first, I heard them say they were canceling the, the St. Patty's Day parade. And I remember looking at Mary and saying, hmm, that's kind of a big deal because they've had it for, I don't know, 100 years straight. And then maybe more than 100 years. And then later on, I believe it was that same evening, I heard them say they suspended the NBA season. And I remember looking at Marianne and saying, Marianne, that's not millions of dollars. You're approaching billions of dollars to suspend the NBA season. I said, besides the players and the arena itself, all the food, all the people that work there, the transportation to get there, the jersey sales, the sneaker sales. I said, this is, this is a real thing. <clears throat> and I, I challenge, I challenge someone to tell me, oh, Arthur, on March 13th, 2020, I knew that we would be dealing with this pandemic for two years plus. Because, I asked uh, Dr. Christie and Dr. Lawrence this weekend, I said, if I would have told you two years ago, as you were about to go to Florida, because they, they went to Florida for three days and then got called back. I said, when, when you were about to go to Florida, I said, <clears throat> Dr. Chrissy, this is going to go on for two years. What would you have said? She said, I would have said you're out of your mind. Um, but we, it, it happened and we survived. Now, <clears throat> just to be, to keep the scales of justice balanced, because I know my buddy Jimmy uh, say, says that I, I, I'm too nice to the new mayor. Um, we just fired, or he just fired, or the government just fired, like, you know, over 1,400 people, I think it was three weeks ago, because they weren't vaccinated. So now they're ending these mandatory vaccinations. They're ending when you walk into a restaurant, you got to show your vax card, your ID and your vax card. That seems to be done now about 21 days. I'll say it's 28 days after 1,400 people, especially. And I know know many of them were school teachers, were fired. You know, was that a little short-sighted? I think de Blasio was the one who put that rule into effect. But obviously, Mayor Adams had the ability to reverse course. What happens to those people? What happens to the police officers and the firefighters and the city school teachers who are now not working? Do we call them back? Um, I would. I mean, if I was the mayor, of course, I'm not the mayor <clears throat> yet. Um, no, that's just a joke. Don't worry, mom and dad. They're so worried I'm going to run for public office. Um, no, I mean, I would. I would say, okay, look, things got better and, and you know, you were punished by not getting the vaccine that we feel helped solve this problem, but you didn't work for a month, so you took a hit financially for a month, but now you could come back. Um, speaking of whether the vaccine helped and the masks helped, 
uh, no matter what you feel about that, if you go on YouTube or Google it, Saturday Night Live had a very, very, very funny skit. Um, I didn't see it in real time, but I, Diana, my law partner, brought it to my attention where they're basically making fun of they're making fun of two things. They're making fun of the people who were so committed to mask wearing and so committed to the vaccines and to the, the world of science where they said that, you know, wearing just a piece of cotton over your face was helpful. And now it shows that that probably didn't really do much. Uh, it's worth it's worth your while to go uh, to go check it out because <laughs> it, it actually I hate the LOL, but it actually did make me laugh out loud. Um but let's hope that what the mayor said is true, is that people walking around the street without masks, I, you know, I was, a lot of people today in Manhattan were not wearing masks uh, in the streets. And I, you know, I was like, it was, I was smiling. I went into a, a store this weekend where it says masks recommended. It was a supermarket. Everyone in there had a mask on except me and one other woman, one other shopper. And we kind of just grinned at each other like, okay, enough already. But uh, I, I don't want to make light of the situation. I know people who, very significant people who were lost to the coronavirus. It was um, a horrible part of uh, world history, world history. And the kids who are in their teens who are going to remember this, you know, and they'll be able to talk about this for the rest of their lives because it is a significant and will always be a significant piece of world history. Um, And some other news, um, as I said, we have a... We just have a half an hour show today, so I'm going to try to squeeze in as much as I can. Having nothing to do with the the virus, um, Derek Jeter, the storied captain of the New York Yankees, the Hall of Famer, the Monument Park man, Derek Jeter, Mr. November Derek Jeter, uh, as great as he was as a player, um, it didn't turn out that way as the CEO of the Miami Marlins. <clears throat> he um, was the CEO Four out of five seasons. Uh, he was an owner. He owned a small piece of the franchise. And he stepped aside today because he said um, the Marlins were not heading in the direction that he thinks they need to go in to win, which was basically spending more money. That's right. To me, spending more money to um, to get better players. Apparently, there was a deal between him and the owner that they were going to spend another 15, 10 or $15 million to grab another free agent. And then they reneged on that, so he abruptly stepped down. But it may be all moot, because right now there's this lockout. And according to the commissioner, I think if they didn't reach reach some sort of a resolution by tonight, um, they're going to start canceling games. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, there's a book that I, I have had for a very long time. It's a really small book. And you're going to hear me speak of it often. It's called Life's Little Instruction Book. And I I own a convertible because one of the things it says in that book is at least once in your life, own a convertible. I bought an Alfa Romeo in 1993 for $1,800, which I still have. I drove this weekend and it put the biggest smile on my face. Another thing that it says in that book, Life's Little Instruction Book, is... If your town has a baseball team, always go to opening game, always go to opening day, which I've done many times. Um, I remember some of those days and some days not so much. The move was it was so expensive to buy alcohol. This is when we were kids, kind of, Um, even in the DA's office, we made no money. 
It was pre-9-11, so there wasn't that security. So you would walk in with what looked like a bottle of Poland Spring, but really there was something in that clear bottle that was a little more uh, sophisticated, let's say, than Poland Spring. And then you'd get the Paul D'Amelio Lemonade, which was this big, like, $8 big jug almost of fresh lemonade. But they'd squeeze the fresh lemons, they'd put a little sugar in there and some water, and then you'd add your sophisticated Poland Spring bottle to that and... In the hot sun, because opening day is uh, is during the day, uh, but I, I hope we don't get cheated out of opening day because especially you want to tie this in with masks and mandates and pandemics and shutting down. Nothing, nothing would uh, epitomize the opening of the five boroughs more than the New York Mets and the Queens and the New York Yankees in the Bronx having full-blown opening days with all of our masks off with some sophisticated uh, Poland Spring and some lemonade. And listen, if I had that sophisticated Poland Spring, I wouldn't be driving me home tonight. All right, Sam Boland with your music choices there. Who's going to drive me home tonight? What are you, wise guy? But you do have to plan. If you're going to if you're gonna drink at a Yankee game or a Met game, you have to plan how you're going to get home. Best option still is the New York City subway line. But you also have to plan for the future, the future of you and the future of your family. And you have to determine, are they protected if you're not around? And if you're not around to make vital decisions, who will make those decisions? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. A will, a trust, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will, a full estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan's attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. Visit them for a no-obligation free consultation with a lawyer. The biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. So take matters into your own hands and call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Eight eight. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. All right, so this is like the last part of the show. Um, one of the easier shows I've done. I hope so. Um, I'll give you guys a heads up. Uh, as of right this second, I am supposed to be starting a murder trial. 
in Kings County. That would be Brooklyn, New York. Uh, probably a week from today, I'll go into full-blown blown prep mode. Um, I am going to try to do the show when I can. When I can't, I will have some rock star people filling in, uh, keeping me... Uh, I, well, no, no boo, because let me just be honest with you. Geraldo Rivera, who is a mentor and an idol of mine and, 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 and a really good friend... He always said, especially during my time at Fox, he said, Arthur, what makes you valuable to the audience is you're not a lawyer who's on TV or on the radio who's speaking about cases or case law or arguments that you did or you, you experienced five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like many other people who are on TV and radio. He, you're talking about it in real time. He goes, and I can tell you, because Geraldo's a lawyer, I can tell you as an attorney who's also a consumer of your radio show and, and was a consumer of watch, watching me on television, he said, that is so valuable to hear you come on and say what you did 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. And that was one of the things that I loved when, I, when Ron Kuby was on the radio. I used to enjoy hearing about his cases in real time. But it also keeps you sharp. It also keeps you on your toes, although I already many. I already walk on my toes, so that's not a problem. Um, but speaking of the law, the reason why I am a lawyer is because in 1989, when I graduated acting school, or a school that I went to because I thought I wanted to be an actor, which was SUNY Purchase, where Edie Falco went, and Stanley Tucci went, and Wesley Snipes went, and Parker Posey went, I thought I was going to go in there and I was going to be the next, I don't know who I was going to be, somewhere between John Travolta and... Al Pacino or something, <laughs> something like that. But I, I realized relatively early on that that, that just wasn't for me. Um, saying the words, uh, would you like French fries, baked potato, or rice with your order was not what I really saw in my future because almost every actor is a waiter for, short, for some period of time. But I did get uh, decided to take the LSAT. Uh, although my father laughed at me when I told him I wanted to do that. And I was accepted to the City University of New York School of Law, which uh, is a public interest law school. What does that mean? It means it doesn't really focus on making you rich. It doesn't really focus on you passing the bar. It really focuses on you helping people who really need help. And one of the ways uh, after I took the bar and passed on the very first time, God bless me, um, I went into the district attorney's office, and that's a. And I was there for enough time that I felt I satisfied my public service needs, and I loved it, and it was the highlight of my legal career. But CUNY Law School um, that graduated me, and I also would would be remiss if I didn't say my closest friends in the whole world graduated from, with me. Um, they put me on the, the board of governors, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things I had to do very recently, weeks ago, was interview uh, candidates to fill a, the deanship that was uh, vacant. The dean when I was there was a guy named Haywood Burns, who was just a great dude, man. He was a fantastic guy. And he, he started the law school, and he died tragically in a car accident. Um, and they've had some pretty decent deans. Michelle Anderson stands out as a great dean. But um, I, of the people who were interviewed, um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but the person who I was the most impressed with, it was announced, it's on the cover of today's Law Journal, she is the one who is going to be taking over as the new dean. Her name is S-U-D-H, 
Suda Setty, S-E-T-T-Y. It's going to be Dean Setty. She's currently a dean at a school, a small school, Western New England University School of Law. She's been there since 2018. Um, she is the first woman of South Asian descent in the United States of America to serve as a dean at an American Bar Association accredited law school. So <clears throat> on a personal note, <clears throat> since your taxpaying dollars go towards funding this school... Congratulations to Dean Setti. We wish her the best of luck in uh, educating the the lawyers of the future. Um, she will do. She was very very impressive, and um, she that's that's part of the fabric of New York City, uh, the city the entire CUNY law system. Um, I went to SUNY and CUNY, so I I satisfied all my public interest uh, schooling needs. The uh, my friends who give me a hard time about not taking calls, well. Hold your breath. And anyone out there who thinks they have seen The Godfather, the movie The Godfather, so well that they can answer any question. Now, I'm not talking about ridiculous questions like what was the license plate number on Sonny's car when he got shot up in Breezy Point. I'm talking about like questions that have to do with the, the um, dialogue during the movie. You better watch the movie two or three or ten times between now and Thursday. Because with everything goes on the path that is, we're on right now, on Thursday, you're going to have Mario D. Romano, uh, who is a uh, godfather uh, connoisseur. He'll be on the line with me, and then people, I'm going to open up the phone lines, and then you're going to call in, and we're going to figure out, I think, if you answer two or three of five questions right within a certain period of time, you are going to win the Idola Power Hour pint glass. Um, <clears throat> so, Thursday. And then on Friday... I am going to have my former colleague from the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, who I joyfully have watched ascend to the District Attorney of Kings County, um, Eric Gonzalez. He has a beautiful article, in my opinion, written about him uh, in this Sunday's New York Times. And, um, you know, it basically the underlying premise of the article is how you could be a progressive DA and be effective and not cause controversy. And they just basically juxtaposed him to Alvin Bragg, who uh, is, you know, he came in, he's been in for not even two months and he's been surrounded with controversy. And the article actually gave some specific examples of cases that Eric Gonzalez handled, DA Gonzalez handled um, with where he did not send people to jail, but it was handled it's still in a way that the the victim got some degree of satisfaction, and instead of just locking someone up, we uh, Eric's office gave them some help. I'm sorry that I call him Eric, but I know him that long. Actually, I usually call him Gonzo, which is short for Gonzalez. Um, but you know, Alvin Bragg again is in the news now, and I'm not sure if we should applaud him or not. But he's it seems like the handwriting is on the wall that he is not going to prosecute. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, for messing around with documents that he submitted to financial financial institutions to take out loans and to do refinances, where they claim, <coughs> excuse me, the initial the initial uh, investigation, which is still being conducted civilly by the uh, Attorney General Letitia James, but uh, was that Donald Trump, or really his people, are. Uh, inflated values of certain of his properties and his holdings, which would then uh, allow him to ask for more money. And 
the more money you have in the bank, the usually more favorable rates you get, the more money you could borrow. So the two main, very senior, very sophisticated, I'm talking about gentlemen who are, I believe they're both in their 60s. I mean, these are not kids. One was a, well, one was a lifelong prosecutor, I believe, Carrie, and the other one, Mark, uh, was a prosecutor. He was a U.S. attorney. Um, then he went into private practice. He left private practice to just work on the Trump case. They both resigned. And it looks like the DA, Alvin Bragg, is not going to prosecute Donald Trump. Now, there's a piece of that where people say, well, he ran on prosecuting Trump. He, he uh, campaigned on it. And now he's going to reverse course. Well, if you're going to rag on Bragg, DA Bragg, for not prosecuting people who are robbing people, people are displaying knives and guns when the evidence is overwhelming that they actually had the knives and the guns, then how could you rag on him for not prosecuting the president if he's looked at the evidence? I'm assuming the way it would work is that those senior prosecutors, that whole team, would sit down with the DA and maybe his chief of staff, and they would lay out all the evidence that they have and what evidence has been presented to the grand jury, and then he makes a decision. Is it strong enough? Does it pass the smell test? Does it look just like it's a political hit job? And if he says, you know what, my I ran on the policy of not being heavy-handed, and I think prosecuting President Donald Trump under these circumstances, under these facts, would be heavy-handed, I'm going to be consistent, well, then maybe Alvin Bragg deserves a round of applause for being consistent with people of two totally different socioeconomic status, right? Kids who are coming in with a knife and robbing a, a bodega and a b- multimillionaire president of the, or he would say billionaire president of the United States. Maybe he's being fair. Now, just to throw a little curveball in there, although the attorney general is only pro- is only pursuing President Donald Trump and his family and his his corporation civilly, there's nothing that stops her from, from, from going after them criminally. She has the power, uh, Attorney General Letitia James, to go after her criminally. So to go after them criminally. So we shall see. As I wind down, I want to say a sincere farewell. You had a wonderful life, Mr. Robert Sabah. I attended his funeral today. He owns all, all these big car dealerships in New York City. He was a very generous man, not only with his money, but with his time and his words of wisdom. Rest in peace, my friend. See everybody tomorrow. Have a great night. This is your hometown. This is your hometown. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com